being a Christian is so much more than a political ideology or belief system. It is a way of life. We are not called just to have certain kinds of beliefs. We are called to be certain kinds of people. We are sojourners in a foreign land. We are exiles. Well, not too long ago, I was pulling into a Starbucks here in Cheyenne to purchase a delicious cup of the Lord's heavenly nectar. That's what I think we should start calling coffee from now on. Any coffee lovers in the room today? Yeah, okay, you're with me. My wife hates coffee. She's in the service. We're praying for her. You can join me in praying for my wife. If you're watching online and you love, uh, love coffee, uh, just put the coffee cup emoji or a heart emoji uh, in the chat box or the comment section. That would be awesome. Uh, this is not coffee. I wish it was. It's water. Uh, it'd be, probably not be good to drink coffee while I was preaching, but we'll pretend it's coffee. It's delicious. It's good coffee. But I'm, I'm really digressing here. It won't be the last time I digress in this sermon, I'm sure. Uh, I was pulling into a Starbucks, and from, uh, from my perspective, I thought I saw my best friend's wife pulling out of the parking lot. From a distance, looked just like her, driving the exact same car, and so I waved. Only I didn't do the friendly, hey there, neighbor wave. I did the crazy, I know you really well wave. <laughs> Ever done that before? Like I've done this many times in my life, sadly. So I, I'm doing that. And that's when I realized it is not my best friend's wife. In fact, I didn't know this woman at all. And she proved that by giving me the you're a weirdo wave and pulling away. And I started praying that she did not know I was the lead pastor at, at Element Church. You, you see, perspective changes everything. That the closer you get to something, the more you see, the more you understand, the more then you're going to be able to engage that thing, whether it's a person, a product, whatever it is, you'll engage it with, with the most or the best purpose. And the same thing is true about one of the most misunderstood parts of the Christian faith. In fact, I believe if we get the right perspective on this one thing, it has the power to change everything. So today, as we finish up this sermon series we've been in called Exiles, I want to talk to us about the right perspective of prayer. The right perspective of prayer. If you're new with us, uh, or if I've done the crazy wave at you out somewhere and you don't know who I am, now you do. My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and I'm so thankful uh, that all of you uh, are here with us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us on a video screen somewhere, thanks so much for being here. And to our online church family, you are just that. You are family, even though you can't be here with us. Our vision remains the same for you. We exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And my prayer and my challenge for you is that as long as you have to, continue engaging with God, engaging with us, and engaging with the vision by being a part of our online services. Share the online services, maybe even invite somebody uh, to watch online with you. And speaking of inviting, uh, next Sunday, uh, we are starting a brand new sermon series that I think is so important for us to do. It's called Why I Struggle to Believe in God Because Sometimes It's Really, Really Hard. That there are so many reasons why people struggle to believe. Even as Christians, uh, it is often hard to, to reconcile certain realities of life and faith with the existence of, of God. 
We ask questions like, well, how can Jesus be the only way to heaven? And how do you trust the Bible when it's so old, outdated, and filled with, with unspeakable things? And even if there was a God, uh, why, why is there all this evil pain and suffering in the world? It's questions like those that we're going to be answering in this series. Starting next week, I'm going to be doing a message on the existence of God that sometimes we struggle to believe because you can't prove God exists. So how do we deal with that? We're going to welcome all doubters and all of our own doubts as we tackle some very difficult questions. If you're here uh, and, and you're already a doubter or a skeptic or you're joining us online, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for being here. I would ask you to invite other doubters, other skeptics to come back with you through the series. It'd be a great series for you to be a part of. And, and just please know we're going to love you and honor you, uh, whether you ever uh, agree with us on what we believe or, or not. For all of us, the easiest way to invite someone uh, to this new sermon series or any week is on social media. In fact, I want to do this right now uh, together. I'd like us to, to pull out, if you're, if you're a Facebook user, uh, pull out your phone. Or if you already don't have it out, pull it out. If you, if you use Facebook and open up the Facebook, go, go ahead. So, okay, go ahead and do this. I know if my sermon is too boring, some folks will do this anyway. So let's go ahead and do it now. So get out your phone, check the football scores if you want to. I hope the Patriots are losing. I have no idea, but I did see Cam Newton already scored a touchdown. So I got someone new to hate in life right now, but pull out your phone, go to Facebook, open up the Facebook app, open up the Facebook app or go to the Facebook, uh, go to your browser and go to Facebook. Then you can search the Element Church handle. There's on the screen, elementchurch.life on Facebook. And then pinned to the very top of our Facebook page is a post about this coming series. I'd love to see us be over 100 shares by the end of the day. I think we're uh, well over 50. I'm not sure. Yeah, we're 90. Whoa, we're at 95. We're going to go over 100 here in a few seconds. So uh, do that right now if you would, and then stay connected to our social media channels all throughout the week and invite someone to attend or watch online. That's next week. Today, we're talking about prayer. And as soon as I say prayer... All of us have a perspective, right? And that perspective drives purpose. Maybe you hear the word prayer and you think of nothing but a tradition before a meal or before you go to bed as a child. Maybe for you, prayer is the way we get God to do what we want. Or, or maybe you believe prayer is, is a way that we actually we have to pray in order to please God or earn his favor. I don't know what your perspective on prayer is. I just know we all have one and it drives our purpose in prayer. It changes everything. So our perspective of prayer will determine the purpose of prayer in our lives. So with that, here's the big idea for today. It'll kind of drive the rest of the sermon, and it's this. The right perspective of prayer will lead to the right purpose in prayer. The right perspective of it leads to the right purpose in it in my life in my life, that if I don't have the right perspective, I will very easily try and use it for the wrong purpose. And I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for you, our, our congregation. So what is the right perspective of prayer? That's the big question for today. What is the right perspective of prayer? I'll pretend to drink coffee while you write that down. Daniel 9 
1 through 20 is the main scripture today in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. As always, if you don't own a Bible, we put all the verses on the screen, so it's super easy to follow along. You can download while you have your phone out the free uh, Bible app called YouVersion. It's an amazing app. And then if you want an actual hard copy of the Bible, ask for one at guest services before you go. We'll get you one. Just for a reminder, in this series, we've been looking at the life of Daniel and others who were exiles in a foreign land. Daniel was a Jew by birth, but as a teenager, he was taken to Babylon from his home city, Jerusalem, and and there remained in exile for the rest of his life. And we got to remember this. This is why it relates to us, because as Christians, we are exiles too. That by faith in Christ, we become exiles in a foreign land. In fact, the Apostle Paul in his letter in the New Testament, Philippians 3, verse 20, says this about Christians. But we are citizens of where? Of heaven. I think that was pretty quiet, but that was the best you did all day from every single service. Say, say, Say heaven out loud. Say heaven. There you go. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And when he does, he will establish the eternal kingdom of God here on the earth. So America, or whatever country you're watching or listening from, America is not our forever home. The eternal kingdom of God is that like Daniel, we are exiles in a foreign land. Even Peter, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, in his letter in the New Testament, we started the whole series with it. In fact, we had the scripture reference on the the exiles shirts and stickers and swag we have out there at the store. We have the scripture reference where he calls Christians exiles, reminding us that we don't belong to this world. We belong to another world, the eternal kingdom of God. And Daniel had that mindset. We've seen it all through this series. We're going to see it again here in the prayer of Daniel that we read. Uh, This would have been a number of decades now, probably 60 years at least, since Daniel was taken captive to Babylon. He was nearing the end of his life, probably mid to late 80s, when he prayed this prayer, Daniel 9, starting in verse 1. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became the king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years, meaning most likely that 70 years was coming to an end. Daniel had probably been in Babylon for at least 60 years, almost 70 years, so he knew the time was almost there for God to bring his people back to Jerusalem to restore their fortunes, so he said... I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. And don't worry, I'm only talking about prayer today. I don't have time to talk about fasting, so eat all you want. Okay, just eat all you want. My staff here, they start panicking when I read verses on fasting. So staff, don't worry, eat whatever you want today. We are not going to start a a fast, jumping to verse 4. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. So Daniel starts this prayer with declaring the greatness and the goodness of God. The right perspective of prayer leads to the right purpose 
in prayer. So what's the right perspective? There are so many layers to prayer that we just don't have time to cover. So we're going to look at just a little framework here based on the prayer of, of Daniel. So the first thing I see is this. It starts with concession. The right perspective starts with concession. Not concessions, don't get too excited, right? <laughs> Although I could go for a large soda and popcorn from the movie theater about now or a boat of loaded nachos or a ballpark hot dog with all the fixings. Can I get a witness for some concessions today, right? First it was coffee, now it's food. I'm really digressing. It's really good we're not fasting because now I'm hungry and I haven't eaten since breakfast this morning. Not concessions, but concession. That, that before I ask for anything from God, I need to acknowledge my position before God. That you are God and I am not. So I'm conceding. I concede to you. You are the one. Uh, above it all, as Daniel said, you are a great and awesome God. And even though I'm facing these difficult times in life, even though I've been taken as an exile to a pagan and foreign land that does not respect or accept my beliefs, even though my hometown's been destroyed, it will lie desolate for 70 years, you are still God and you are still good. Do you, do you think this applies to us today? That God, no matter what happens with the future of this pandemic, no matter the restrictions or regulations, no matter how far the economy falls, no matter who wins the election, you are still God, you are still good, and you are still in control. You are the God above it all. Listen, if our prayers don't start with some version of God, this is all about you, then we're going to completely miss out on what God wants to do in our prayers. We will completely miss the purpose of prayer. That prayer is not about getting more from God. It is first about acknowledging my position before God. That you are God and it's definitely not me. So I'm conceding to you. You are a great and awesome God. Even Jesus when the disciples came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. And then many of us know the, what he says. It's, we call it the Lord's Prayer. The very first thing Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or in other words, you are God, I am not. So I'm acknowledging my position before you. You are a great and awesome God that I concede to you. As we sang, if you were here in the room for our in-person gathering, you are the one above it all. I stand in awe. You're the God over all I know. No higher name, no greater throne. You stand alone. You're the God over all I know. If we don't start our prayers with that perspective, we're going to miss the purpose of prayer altogether. Prayer aligns my heart with who is really in control. And it ain't me. And it's not you or any other person on the planet. You're the God above it all. Verse 5, but, Daniel prayed, 
Literally, even though you are this great and awesome God, even though you are so good, we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true for all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. Verse 9, but (laughs) the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. Aren't you thankful for a merciful and forgiving God? That's who Daniel was praying to. He continues for the next several verses confessing their sins all the way through to verse 16. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. The right perspective of prayer leads to the right purpose in prayer. So what's the right perspective of prayer? It it starts with concession. You are God, I am not. Number two is this, it includes confession. Prayer should include some confession. Notice, this is huge. When Daniel prayed, he didn't say, they have sinned. And the world's going to hell in a handbasket. All those dark, dirty sinners out there causing all this trouble in the world. I don't know why I'm talking in a southern voice when I do that. (laughs) Daniel didn't call out the sin of everyone else. He included himself in the sin. We have sinned, God. And remember from last week's message, Daniel was living such a good life that the only thing the local leaders could find in his life to accuse him of was how much he loved God and how closely he followed his commands. So sure, Daniel was not perfect. He'd probably be the first one to admit that. But he was a fiercely devoted follower of Jehovah God. If there was anyone in this moment of history who could have pointed out the sins of everyone else, it would have been Daniel. But he included himself in the sin. We have sinned, God. We have sinned. And friends, I think we need a healthy dose of this in the American church today. We have sinned, not they have sinned, not the dark, dirty, sinful world out there causing all the problems. Lord, we have sinned, and please hear me. Lord, you have helped in every service. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would prepare our hearts for what I believe you've asked me to say to our church. May our spirit be connected with yours. Please hear me. I am not making a political statement at all with the things I'm about to say. And I can't touch on every single thing that needs to be addressed in this crazy world in which we live. And I know some people are going to leave today and they're not going to hear that and we'll have to deal with it. 
But I've been praying for weeks now for God to confirm in my spirit that this is what he wanted me to say to our congregation, and I believe that this is what he wants me to say. So here we go. I think the church, not just Element Church, I think the Big C Church, God's church in America, needs to lead the way in some confession of things. We need it. That we have sinned. We have sinned, God, in how we have treated and marginalized people of color in our country for centuries now. We have sinned. Not they have sinned. Not, not the slave traders, slave owners, Jim Crow lawmakers. We have sinned, God, and we have compounded the sin for centuries in our country. At the very least, God, we, your church, have not done a great job of doing what the Scripture says, which is to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, and stand with and for those who are oppressed and afraid. We have sinned, God. Why can't we say that? and not be afraid of people attacking us for it. We have sinned. We have sinned, God, in not protecting life. The life of the unborn, absolutely, but also the life of those who are already born. And again, please, please, please know and hear my heart that this is, this, this is not political. The, these things have political implications, but they are people problems. This is about people. And I'm not even offering up solutions today. I don't, I don't even suggest to know what the solutions are. I just think the church should be public in their confession of these things. That if we are pro-life as followers of Jesus, then we should be as fiercely pro-life for the child at the border as we are the one in a mother's belly. We have sinned, God. We have sinned. We have sinned in our pride, believing we don't need you. We've sinned in our sexuality, believing we can do anything with our bodies we want to. We have sinned in our violence, responding to hurt by hurting others, responding to injustice by doing more injustice. We have sinned in our reliance on politics and politicians and policies instead of relying on the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God, we have sinned. We have sinned. Would you forgive us, Lord? Would you forgive your church and forgive your, your, this country and forgive your people? God, we have sinned. We have. As Daniel prayed, in view of all your faithful mercies, God, would you turn your furious anger away from us? God, we deserve it. We deserve it. But we are asking you because you are merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. God, would you turn from your anger and forgive us? God, would you heal our land? This is, that's what Daniel prays. Verse 17. Oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. 
What a great prayer. For your own sake, do not delay, O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. When's the last time I pleaded with God on behalf of our country, on behalf of his people? The right perspective of prayer leads to the right purpose in prayer. So what's the right perspective of prayer? Well, it starts with concession. You're God, I'm not. It includes confession. And listen, this is like, it's not like I'm sharing anything new. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, we should pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When asked how should we pray, Jesus said it should include some confession. Then point three, Last thing is this, it leads to conformity, or at least it should. (laughs) The right perspective of prayer should lead to conformity. You see, the key to this whole prayer is not Daniel asking for help. Anybody can do that. He does ask for help. He's asking God to restore Jerusalem, to bring the people of God back to their homeland. He's asking God to move and hear and act and forgive. Those are all great things to pray. I pray those things in my life. I pray those things for your life as a congregation. We we should pray things like that. We should pray bold prayers to our big God. But the key to this whole prayer is not how Daniel was asking God for help. It's where Daniel was putting his hope. His hope was not in what God could do. His hope was not even in what God was able to do. Daniel's hope was firmly centered in who God is. You are a great and awesome God, sovereign and in control, promise-keeping, covenant-making, merciful, kind, compassionate, gracious, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. Daniel said, that's the God I'm praying to. And my hope's in him alone. Even in his request, he said, for your own sake, God, Not, don't do it for me. Don't do it for my good, my gain, my glory. Do it for your good, your gain, your glory, for your name, God. I mean, basically, he's saying, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a a conforming uh, of my will to the will of God for the good and glory of his kingdom. That's the prayer of an exile. So I want to I close our time with prayer today. I want to lead us in a, in a time of prayer using this perspective we just talked about. And please don't, don't hear the word prayer and then check out. I think we have an opportunity here to have a special moment with the Lord. So I'm asking you to lean in. You see, the ultimate goal of prayer is not to get something from God. The ultimate goal of prayer is actually to get more of God. To draw near to him, to be cleansed of any sin that keeps me from him. And then to be conformed into the image of him. His will, not mine. So Father, 
my heart has been moved all day long at the greatness and goodness of who you are. So Lord, right now, together as your church, your people, we just collectively agree, we are conceding to you that you are God and we definitely are not. So we're acknowledging that position. You are a great and awesome God. You are above everything we know, far above all rule and power and dominion. You alone are God and you are good and you are in control. Lord, we concede to you. Lord, we confess our sins to you. Would you look upon us with mercy and grace and faithfulness? Lord, if there is anyone right now who is listening to me, who has unconfessed sin in their life, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would point that out. And Lord, I pray right now, in this moment, there be some confessing going on, individual, unconfessed sin. Lord, root it out in Jesus' name. And Lord, we don't just pray for our individual sins. We, we also are going to say today, God, we have sinned. We have. We are a part of the sins of this world. We are a part of the sins of our country. We are a part. Lord, we have sinned. Would you please, God, turn away from your anger and look upon us, God, with favor and forgiveness and mercy grace. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, heal and act. And Lord, I know there's some big requests happening in this room right now. Ones I'm not fully aware of. And Lord, we ask you, these big things happening in people's lives and we're asking you for help. God, we, we pray you would help. Lord, bring provision, bring, bring peace, bring strength, bring healing, bring wholeness. Bind up the broken things to make them new. Lord, we're asking for those things, but in the middle of all of our, of our big asking of you, we are acknowledging we want your will to be done, your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, conform our will to yours. Our hope is not in what you can do. Our hope is in you. So your kingdom come. And Lord, if there's anyone who has yet to put their faith in you, I pray that right now in this moment, you would send your Holy Spirit to draw them unto your loving, merciful, gracious arms to put their faith in your son, Jesus that they would simply just say this prayer of profession and confession to you, Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's God. He died in my place and rose from the dead. So Jesus, I profess my faith in you. I confess my sins to you. Everything that I have personally ever done against you, please forgive me, wash me clean, make me new, live in my heart. I repent of the way I have lived my life. I, I will turn and follow you in a new life. I receive from you salvation.
live in me. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. I am going to do my best to love you back. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you're here and you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, or if you're watching or listening online, we are so, so, so proud of you. We want to welcome you into our family, and the best way to do that is to let us know that you prayed that prayer. Just take out your phone again, text the word one to the number on the screen, 41400. Text the word one to 41400. We're going to welcome you, celebrate with you, and then offer you some free resources that we created to get you taking your next steps uh, with Jesus. It's the best, easiest way to let us know about the decision that, that you made. If you need prayer for something, uh, we'll stay as long as needed at the very back of the room and pray for anything that you have. We are closing with communion, but it is going to look different. So here in a moment, I'm going to dismiss everybody. And if you want to take communion, just stay seated for a few min- few seconds. Let people clear out that don't want to. If you don't want to take it, literally, it is n- no problem at all. We do not look down on you at all for not receiving communion. We want you to do it when you are ready and when you fully understand and grasp it. If you have questions about it, you can let us know, and we'll do our best to answer those. But if you want to, just stay seated. This same music will keep playing. And then when it kind of clears out, you can start coming forward to get the elements. They are prepackaged communion elements, so you got to peel the top off. There's a piece of bread. Then peel the next layer off, and you have the cup of juice, and you can receive communion. Uh, whenever you are ready. You can stay as long as you need to uh, to, to do some work with God. Uh, next week, starting that new series, I'm super excited about it. We've worked really, really hard uh, on, on this one for a long time. Can't wait to do that. I know this word was challenging today. It was very challenging for me. Uh, but I, I pray that we leave with a better perspective of prayer. I love you guys. Have an awesome week. You are dismissed.